It's nearly Christmas, the, uh, the time of tinsel and flashing lights. And my, uh, we were coming home the other night and my wife, Kate, she just loves, the, you know, and the kids, they love the flashing lights. So, of course, I just want to get home to bed, but she's got to go and drive down every street and look for these. And it's all just a bit extra for me. I just can't handle it. <laughs> Flashing lights. And, 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 and so I sort of complain and the kids go, Grinch, Grinch, you're a Grinch. So I am a bit Grinchy, but I do love Jesus. So that part of Christmas I love. Uh, how good at you, I, I wonder, uh, how good are you at uh, faking it when you get a present that you really have no idea either what it is or that you don't really like it. <laughs> well, uh, I, um, uh, my, my, my wife Kate, who buys all the presents and is a very good present buyer, uh, leaves it to me to buy her a present, selfishly. Uh, the least she could do is buy her own present, which actually she does sometimes do that too. <laughs> I just forgot about that. <laughs> she does sometimes do that too. Uh, uh, and and I'm, look, I'm actually getting quite good at it, and um, uh, and and I and I think I'm I think I'm on the mark uh, this time. But I'll let you know. Um, but for a lot of years, for birthdays and Christmas, you know, I would I would, she just couldn't fake. She couldn't fake the you know opening the present, and she would do this thing where she would say, oh, like like this pity thing, oh, oh well, you know. I don't really like it. But, but she said, but you know, no, it's good that you tried, she would say. And then, you know, and anyway, I tried more and I got there in the end. Uh, and then there's those presents. You have actually absolutely no idea what, ev- what it even is. You open up, it's like, oh. What, uh, yeah. And then they have to go through this whole thing of explaining what it is. But then the moment passes, doesn't it? Oh, oh, yeah. That's like, and then you do that one uh, as well. Uh, well, of course, the reason that we give gifts on Christmas is to celebrate the fact that God gave the greatest gift to us. But I think sometimes we can be a little like that with understanding and really appreciating why we even really need this gift that God has given to us in Jesus Christ. I can remember um, when I was in my sort of mid-teens. At first, you know, I was, um, I was a pretty intense kid. And, and I, I, I thought a lot, uh, you know, I'm not as fun-loving and everything as I am now, you know. Uh, I was a pretty intense kid. And, and I really thought that I had to think through things and, and that much hasn't changed. And, and I, I convinced myself um, that I could work everything out and I convinced myself, you know, that there was no God and I was an atheist. And then actually my mum became a Christian and, and I just saw things going on in her life, like God things that absolutely convinced me that there was a God. I mean, I could tell you story after story, which I won't now. But the one thing that I didn't get and didn't really appreciate was the whole Jesus thing. It's like, what is that about? I mean, God coming to us in Jesus Christ and suffering and dying on a cross, that just seems all a bit complicated, right? That's the bit I didn't really get. Until after a while of becoming more aware of God and the fact that God loved me and being more sensitive to God, my conscience awakened. And I think probably my mum praying for me as well. Listen, parents, pray for your kids because it works. It really spoilt my fun. I was just trying to have fun as like a 17-year-old. My mum's praying for me. My conscience was awakened. 
And I was, man, I, I, I had this, this heavy guilt thing. Every, almost everything that I did, I could not live with myself. And I'm thinking, what is going on here? I tried to fight it. I tried to get rid of the feeling. And it just increased and it increased. And it was like God was just squeezing my heart, you know. And I could... And, and I carried this guilt and shame. I, can, I can't even describe it to you. Actually, the one way I, I described it was like I swallowed a ball of like petrol or, or some kind of toxin that was just poisoning my soul. That's, it, it really felt like that. It was like a physical experience. And, and, I, and some of you know this story. It was at that point where I finally, through my absolute desperation, realised, oh... That's what the Jesus thing is about, right? It was like, but really kind of instantaneously remembered that as I was struggling with, so I was actually on a bus at the time, I was on my way home from boarding school. And without even really thinking much about it, I, I thought about that and it was like I just grabbed hold on of that. You know, just the little bit that I knew about Jesus and something about forgiveness of sins or didn't really quite get it. I didn't really listen at mass at, at boarding school and, and, and that was, they often said that in Latin anyway, so that didn't really matter. <laughs> and then, you know, and I, I just said, Jesus, if you forgive me, I will, I'll, I'll, my life is yours. And I physically felt the guilt and the shame lift off me. It was like a physical experience. And I can tell you, ever since then, I am all about Jesus. <laughs> I am all about Jesus. Because not only did Jesus save me on that night, like took away the guilt and the sin and replaced it with this joy, this joy that I'd never even I never even knew was possible. Not only did Jesus save me, but he has been saving me ever since. There's a psalm, one of my favourite psalms. I feel like I say that every time I quote from a psalm. It's a good psalm. Psalm 32 says, it's a psalm of David, King David. And we've been looking lately uh, at the life of David. It says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them. And then there's a really interesting line here. And in whose spirit, says David, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now what is he talking about there? Well, he's actually talking about something very specific. In fact, he's talking about an experience when David really... I think in a way like he had never before, he really understood the whole grace thing that is at the absolute centre of the Christian faith that is made possible by Jesus Christ. Grace is forgiveness and undeserved favour of God, right? There was a point in David's life when he really got that. And it's a pretty dark period, but often it's in the darkest places who knows that it's often in the darkest places that you see the light most clearly? Well, David had a transformative experience that actually created a whole new kind of David actually from that point afterwards. And it's recorded in the Psalms, the experience is recorded in the Psalms, but I just wanna briefly tell you the story. Some of you may know it's recorded in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. 
It was during a time of great prosperity. God had raised David up. He had empowered him immensely. Now, one of the problems that we have as human beings is stewarding power. We have this tendency to take the gifts of God and misuse them. It's a bit of a, it's like a character thing. Like the more God gives us, you know, it's for some reason that can go to our head or whatever, you know. And this was like David had been so beautifully gifted, set up and gifted by God and empowered, but he's going to abuse that power terribly. Because one day he sees a woman bathing from the roof of his palace while his, his soldiers are all out at war. He's just hanging around uh, back in the palace watching Netflix or something. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, I don't know if that's historical, but something like that. that whatever the, you know. Anyway, and, and, and he, he sees this, woman's, this, this woman and he sends for her. I mean, this is the abuse of power. He sends for her, right? And ends up sleeping with this woman and she becomes pregnant. In, in what is a terrible abuse of power. She's no choice in it. Bathsheba, her name was. And because she becomes pregnant, he's, he's now in this situation, whereas this king, he's, this is quite shameful for him, right? And this immediate, this immediate, his immediate response to this is to do actually what we often do when, when we come into a crisis situation, what am, what am I going to do? One of those what am I going to do situations. Do you know what we do? Our first, our first thought is to play God. That is the natural inclination. I'm going to play God and change this and fix it up. So his, his first inclination is to do something that only God can do. Only God can cover over your guilt. David knew that, but he's going to try and do that himself. He's going to make all of this go away. So he thinks, okay, I'll send for her husband, Uriah the Hittite, who was a very loyal, one of his, uh, uh, an exclusive bodyguard of 30 loyal, loyal soldiers. These were the, a king's bodyguard were always the most loyal, right? You chose them because they were loyal. And Uriah the Hittite was one of these guys. He actually wasn't even an Israelite. He was an outsider that had come in under the wing of Israel. And he gets this guy come home and he thinks, because it's, it's his wife, right? It's Uriah's wife. And he thinks she'll, he'll, she'll, you know, he'll go home and, and, and then you know, it, they, they, they'll think it's you know, his child and everything. And, and so he gets, brings Uriah home. Uriah won't go home. Uriah says, hey, my soldiers are out on the battlefield. I can't go, and li- go in my house while my soldiers, he's an honourable man. He shows more honour, in fact, in this situation than David does. He really shows David up. And then David thinks, goodness me. So the next night he invites him for a feast and he gets him drunk, right? He thinks, surely he'll go home, right? No. And then even then, no, I'm going to do the right thing. Uriah's going to do the right thing. I mean, probably, it's probably making David angry. I do good, Uriah. Why did he just go home and try? Yeah, probably, it's probably making him angry, right? And that maybe helped with the next thing that he does. I mean, it gets worse. He's desperately trying to cover his sins here, right? So he sends a letter with Uriah the Hittite to Joab, his army commander, and they're in the midst of a siege. Siege warfare went on for months. You would lay siege to you know, a city, and, and anyway, the army's off in, in laying siege to a city. And he says to Joab in this letter, put Uriah in a place where he's sure to be killed. Now to do that, he's never gonna do that alone, is he? There's going to be collateral with this one. 
So they put him up, probably up where the defences are, are the greatest, where there's, you know, uh, arches on the walls and they're pouring who knows what over the edge of the walls. I mean, this is ancient warfare. And not only Uriah the Hittite, but all the soldiers that were sent there with him, they all die. Can you, this is like, this is bad stuff, the whole thing. And, Dave, and, and this gets reported back to David and it's like, okay, it's, I've, I think I've got away with it. And he marries Bathsheba and it's like, you know, and then he, the, the baby is, he, and, and, he, and it's like it's all covered over, right? But there's this verse at the end of 2 Samuel chapter 11 simply says this. It says, but the thing David had done displeased the Lord. Now David was a man in whose heart dwelt the Holy Spirit. And Psalm 32 goes on to say, I stopped at a very important bit of Psalm 32. Psalm 32 goes on to say, David actually testifies to the pain because for at least nine months, David got on with life. For at least nine months, David was suffering from this terrible sense of guilt that he deeply repressed but it was poisoning his soul and he testifies to it in this way. He says in Psalm 32 from verse three, when I kept silent, that is not confessing my sin, when I kept the doors closed, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me so that my strength was sapped as in the, seat, in the heat of summer. What an experience. Now here is where God does something beautiful. You see, the story could end there. This is what I find so moving about this story. He had done a terrible thing and God could have just let him go to the dogs. But he didn't. God sent a prophet. God sent a messenger because he was gonna bring back his boy. No matter what had happened, he was gonna bring back David. And so Nathan the prophet went to David. And it's interesting, this is, this is a really interesting part because when Nathan comes to David, it's presumably in the context of a situation where David, as the final court of appeal in the land, the really serious cases were brought before the king on his judgment seat, okay? And so it's probably one of these situations where, where David is sitting on this, he's, he's, you know, these cases are being tried. Nathan the prophet walks in and he says, uh, David, there was this really serious case, a rich man and a, and a poor man uh, that, that lived near each other. And, 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 it's, and he tells about how this rich man had all of this wealth and large numbers of, of sheep and cattle and, and, and how this poor man had nothing except one small ewe lamb. He's telling David this, right? This poor man had nothing but this one ewe lamb. He says it was like a daughter to him. It, it shared his food and it drank from his cup and it even slept in his arms. But one day, he says to David, Nathan says, one day this rich man went to the home of the poor man and he stole this ewe lamb and he killed it to serve it up for a visitor that had come to visit him. Didn't take something from his own wealth. He went next door, this one ewe lamb took that off the, 
when David hears this, it says, and I quote, David burned with anger against the man. He burned with anger against the man. But who was Nathan talking about? Nathan was talking about David. He was talking about, this is exactly what David had done. Not just with a ewe No, no, he'd done even worse than this, right? But David declares judgment. He says, as surely as the Lord lives, David says, that man deserves to die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity, said David. Now, interestingly, there would be serious consequences for this. David actually is a natural consequence of this action. As he declared judgment, it so it would happen four times over. David would lose no less than four, four sons over this issue. There would be consequences, but God was intent on bringing his boy back home. It's gonna hurt, but I'm gonna bring you back home. And then we have that famous moment when Nathan says, David, David, you are that man. You are that man. Here's the the strange thing about this story is why does David not recognise himself in that story? He gets so angry at at the thought of such a terrible injustice and he just does not recognise himself in that story. You know, we have this tendency to create for ourselves a kind of idealised alter ego that we live through. It's the person that we would like to be maybe, the person we imagine ourselves to be. And it becomes like this facade. It's like a kind of weird dissociative alter ego thing to use psychological terms. And we kind of live through this and maybe we even come before God with the alter ego and God says, no, 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 no. I want want the little child cowering in the darkness in shame and guilt. Don't bring me, I'm after the child behind the facade. And when we live behind that facade, that's when we get angry. This is, this is when we get angry and we say things like, oh, how could those people over there do such a, how could that person be so this and how could they be so that? Really, you don't know? That's like the idealised alter ego speaking there. Because you should know very well how that could happen. So David can hear this whole thing and burn with anger, how easy it is to see other people's sins and how reticent we are to face it in ourselves. And yet, this is what will save us. Do you know that God does not, God has given you access, right? But to gain access, we tend to think we need to bring righteousness. God does not want you to bring righteousness to gain access. He wants you to bring your sin. He didn't pay so that you could bring your righteousness. He paid in Jesus Christ so that you could bring your sin. That's how you come. That's how you gain access. And that's the good news. And David experiences, as he says, continues in Psalm 32. He says, then I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave me the guilt of my sin. And David has, it is this complete 
It's like this moment of the demolition and the rebuilding of David. And the David that emerges from this is a different David because he has seen a light that he'd never seen before. He has, you know, Paul says that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And David had had an, ex, an amazing experience of amazing grace and he was never the same actually again. I remember, um, this is back when I was, uh, I think it's about 15 years ago when I was uh, the young adults pastor. I've been at this church for a long time. <laughs> and I was, I was the young adults pastor. Not, not as good as a young adults pastor as Robbie, uh, I'm afraid, but I, you know. And anyway, I, I was, um, I remember uh, once I, I, I had read this, the verse in 1 John 1, 8 and 9 that says, if you say that you are without sin, you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you. But, but if we confess our sins, it says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and he will forgive us. Unqualified promise, right? No matter what you say, he, he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I read this and I thought to myself, it's been a, I think it's been a long time since I confessed my sins. I thought this would be a good thing to do, right? So uh, I, I actually went for a walk. It was, one, it was on, a, on a Sunday afternoon and I, I went for a walk and I can remember actually where, where I, was. I was. There used to be nice green paddocks behind, like that way. Uh, and I used to walk down to the river. I used to have some great prayer times down there. Anyway, so I, I, I put aside this time and I was standing on the green hill. I thought, right, here we go. I'm gonna confess. I'm gonna confess my sins. Here we go. And I, I'm thinking about this. No, I can't quite think of anything. No, got nothing. I couldn't think of anything. And in that moment, it was like I, I, I felt God saying to me, you must be joking. You must be absolutely joking. In, in, in this beautiful, like, almost humorous, like, God was, like, laughing. Why are you laughing? Why, is it, why are you laughing? You know, it's like, and, you know, in that moment, I felt this universe of deep attitudinal issues like that had shadowed just about everything I had done up to that point. Like, real big stuff just coming to the surface. And my first inclination was like, whoa, 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 whoa. no, 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 that's, that's too much, uh, too much. And just repress, repress, repress. And I just sense God say, let it float to the surface. And actually in that moment, I had this picture actually of my heart like a lake. I've shared, as I've been here a long time and you probably heard me tell that story even. I do rely on the fact that you forget everything that I say. Uh, so, you know, uh, I've, I've told you this one, but I had this picture of, of, of my heart as being like a lake and on the top of the lake, it all kind of looks nice and pristine and beautiful. Um, but in the lake, you know, th th there were these contaminants in the lake and it was bringing a bitterness to the water and I was living with this bitterness and I was like, oh, there's something wrong. You know, you had that, have that feeling. I know there's something that I need to deal with and you even know what it is, this is the thing. You actually kind of do know what it is. It just feels like, oh, it's just too big, it's too, it's too, it's too. And God would say, 
let me by my Holy Spirit. This is the, the, the first ministry of the Holy Spirit who wants to set you free. This is the gift, folks. This is the gift that you get. This is Nathan the prophet coming into your life, but like directly by the Holy Spirit, stirring the waters so that all of that stuff can float. And I sense then, God said to me, let that stuff float. Let it float to the surface. Let me save you from that. And God lifted that and began to deal with that. And it so accelerated my growth. It was such a fruitful time uh, of growth. And I am, that, you know, sometimes we think of salvation as something that we experienced some time ago when we became a Christian. Or No, actually, I think of it first and foremost as something not just that happened to me, but something that's happening all the time. This constant process. And there's been something about the last couple of years particularly. It's like, man... The Spirit of God is stirring the waters. Let me tell you, the Spirit of God is stirring the waters. And I have experienced that profoundly in the last couple of years, like stirring the waters. And God's saying, at least you've got to watch out for that boy. Look out for that. And then there's this, and then there's that. And it's like, I feel like I am being saved. That's why I just love Jesus. That's why I just love Jesus. That's why I just love the work of the Holy Spirit who comes into our hearts to set us free. That's the gift, folks. And in the midst of the flashing light and the tinsel and all that wonderful stuff, let's remember and value the gift through our absolute need. Maybe there are things in your life you know that they're there. You know you've got it. Maybe it's maybe for the first time. Maybe you've never even actually asked God for forgiveness. You have got some joy waiting for you, I tell you what. You, you have got some joy waiting for you. <laughs> you who know that the waters are bitter, there's a bitterness to these waters. Oh man, there is a joy that is gonna come upon you when you open your heart and you receive the Holy Spirit and you receive the freedom and you receive the gift of forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And it'll happen again and again and again. That's what, that's what makes us witnesses. I stand here as a witness today that Jesus saves. Not just because of something he did 35 years ago, 32 years ago, I'll give myself that credit not just because something that God did in my life 32 years ago, but for something that he's doing right now in my life. It's happening, folks. It's happening. The Holy Spirit is at work and you are gonna know the joy of salvation, the joy of salvation. I'd like you to stand with me and I'm gonna pray for us at the end as we come into this season, I know this is a sort of strange Christmas message. <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe it's because I'm a bit of a Grinch. Anyway, but you understand, this is, this is about the gift that God wants. He, it was an expensive gift and he really wants you to value it. And so I'm gonna pray that the Holy Spirit would begin to stir the waters of our hearts. 
And I'm going to pray a prayer today. You know, it doesn't have to be much. All I said is, Jesus, if you forgive, it was like a if you forgive. I didn't even think that he would. I didn't have enough faith, actually, in that when I was 17 years, to even think that he would. I thought it was maybe too much, right? I wonder if you think that. Listen, it's never too much because Jesus is always greater than you think your sin is. You've never gone too far. You've never done it too many times. It's never too much. He wants to take it from you. He says, I paid for that, now bring it to me. I paid for it. And I want you to come home. So let's pray. Let's all do this. This isn't just for one of us. Let's all do this. Father, would you stir in our hearts right now? Oh, Spirit of God who sets us free. Oh, Jesus who saves. Would you save us, Lord? Would you save us? SOS, save our souls. Lord, would you save us? Father, we call on the name of the Lord because everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. And so we call on the name of the Lord. Father, that you would save us from the things that are embittering our souls, Lord, that You would save us from the things that are weighing us down, Lord, that You would lift off all of our failures and our guilt and our shame, Lord, that You would set us free by Your Spirit. As David prayed, restore to us the joy of Your salvation, Lord. Father, would You stir in the hearts of everyone. Begin to do a work now, a work of salvation that will carry us through to the day that we stand face to face with You. When we will be able to say, oh, I know Jesus. I know Jesus. Because I met Jesus every single day. Jesus came and He saved me again. And oh, I know Jesus. And Jesus will say, I know this one. I know this one. Father, and I want You to pray this prayer just silently in your own heart as we give it all over. Father, thank you for Jesus. Would you take all of this guilt and this shame, all of my failure, all of my shortfall, all the things I've done that I shouldn't, all the things that I haven't done that I probably should have. Lord, would you take all of this guilt and this failure, Lord. We give it all to you. We lay it at the foot of the cross today and we leave it there. We acknowledge, Jesus, that you paid for this to take it away from us. And we say, yes, Jesus, tonight. Jesus, would you forgive us? Have mercy on us. Restore us. And we thank you. Oh, Jesus, we thank you that we have a completely clean slate from this moment onward that there is not a spot or blemish that remains on any heart in this place that has prayed that prayer. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus, for saving us. We praise and worship Your Name. Thank You, Lord. And we dedicate our lives wholly 